Welcome back to How It's Played. My name's Eli Soakland. Joining me along today is... Bytes News Editor, Jeremy Rogers. And... Some guy, Brad Gillian. Awesome. Well, today in recent news, Activision has been found in the news. Whoa. And not for the best news ever. It's actually for legal senses. It's a little bit weird. Um, Activision recently has been found for um, fraud accusations, and um, they're not doing so hot recently. Um there's just a lot of questionable things with Activision recently, and some things have included like unlawful business practices and accusations of security fraud out of all things. It's really weird. Activision? And- Immoral? <laughs> what? In my gaming industry? Exactly. How dare they? I mean, we all have heard of EA being questionable, but Activision has... <laughs> gone a little bit downhill it's always been like whenever ea screws up it's almost like comical how they screw up but whenever activision does it always just feels like oh that's just that's just cruel that's mean like when they like put microtransactions in a modern warfare and like you know all the other stuff they do it's like ea does their whole like battlefront 2 microtransaction that everyone's like this is so comically evil but it's just like when activision does it no one is like no one even gets like that sick, twisted like humor out of it. Everyone's just like, "Oh, this just sucks for everyone." We expect EA to be evil. Yes. We don't expect Activision to be evil. All right, that can be said for YouTube. <laughs> I think Activision and EA are birds of a feather. I'm so glad that they are now <laughs> flying together in the headlines. <laughs> yeah. But um, sources have pro- provided not a lot of context for. Um, the recent fraud accusations and uh, business practices. There's not a lot of sources saying like what exactly this is. So it can lead to a lot of differentiating things like what exactly does security fraud mean for them? Like is it just simply like tampering with money or is it like something doing with their users? Mm -hmm. What do you guys think it, it means exactly? (laughs) <laughs> well, as a uh, not monetary and finance expert, <laughs> I'm going to give my opinion. I think that especially with Activision and parent company Activision Blizzard uh, recently embracing the loot boxes in full force, uh, I would I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of financial trickery going on, maybe a tax haven somewhere, you know, some sort of play like that going on. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um, Loot boxes are really weird. Um, I feel like if it came down to loot boxes, it would probably be them saying, like, hiding certain things behind certain paywalls that people are are unaware of, and, like, basically just saying, like, here, spend more money on this thing, and then you'll eventually get it like basically saying well, just lying to everyone about what they're receiving right well i mean if you are a company and you have your investors and you tell them one thing and that's not true then you are financially and legally you know you're on the hook to tell the absolute truth to your investors so you know i think it was uh, with the Star Wars 2 game that was published. Mm. was That was EA, right? Yeah. Yeah, EA told its investors that, you know, oh, don't worry about us canceling the uh, uh, loot boxes in there. That wasn't 
necessary to run our business. So there was some kerfuffle with them. Yeah, they said there would be no like like seeable dent in like revenue for the game. Like it was basically taking out microtransactions wouldn't affect si- or like revenue for the game at all. Which right. And is like why are they there in the first place then? Right. And that was the question was if they don't represent a cr- substantial part of the income of a game, why are a why are they there and you know, why are you telling your investors this, but still telling the public, no, they need to be in there. They're a crucial part of the game. So there's a different set of standards for what companies tell the public and what they have to tell the people who give them money. Mm-hmm. I find it always really interesting what you can find from investor meetings from any game company because they they have quotas they have to meet. Mm-hmm. Like they say like to investors, hey, we expect this percentage of rise in sales on this game or this system or whatever. And then for the public, they're just like saying, hey, we're doing really well. We're so- like having the best selling game in the series in forever. It's all roses and rainbows. Exactly. Don't, don't look at how the sausage is made. Everything's everything's going great. And but I've- sometimes that can also mean good things. Like uh, back uh, in August, I think it was actually August 2017, right after the uh, Crash Bandicoot reboot game Mm -hmm. came out, there was a transcript of a call from Activision's CEO talking to investors saying, hey, this game is selling crazy well, way better than we expected. So we might be able to leverage this sort of opportunity again in the future. And that led to a lot of speculation that they were going to reboot another Activision series, which, as a lot of people uh, thought, you know, myself included, when I wrote the article on ByteBSU.com, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that they were going to reboot Spyro next. Mm-hmm. And so, lo and behold. So it's not always a terrible sausage that's being made. Sometimes it's a nice kielbasa, mm-hmm. you know, or some nice andouille sausage. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it all falls back on what do the vet investors know versus what do the people know? Because the investors, that all that news that's feeded to them is personalized. Like they know what's going on in the company. Like, of course, you're gonna have your company announce like, "Hey, the next we're like we're gonna make Spyro," but like for everyone else, they might just throw out like a teaser to say like, "Hey, another remaster is coming." Um, yeah, I think it's definitely safe to say that there are some shakeups going on at ActiBlizz, especially like they have been in and out of the news ever since BlizzCon last. November, right? Yeah, it was around that time. It was yeah. the winter. And honestly, like throughout through all of this, I think the main w- what I have surmised from all the news that's been going on and like the direction the company's moving, I I really do think that they are trying to the investors at least are trying to pressure Activision Blizzard to take each division of their company to match a certain division that not a lot of people talk about when it comes to Activision Blizzard, and that's King. You know, the makers of Candy Crush and Pet Rescue Saga and a million other Match 3, you know, apps on the, uh, you know, on phones. King makes a lot of money. And more importantly, they make a lot of money for very little work, like, subjectively speaking. It's like, Basically, all their games are reskins of each other, but people still buy into them. People still pay for the microtransactions, and it's huge. They make a lot of money. 
and I definitely see with like the Dia- the Diablo Immortals uh, announcement at BlizzCon and all the rumors of downscaling from games like Overwatch, uh, Hearthstone, and Heroes of the Storm, I definitely see Activision Blizzard wanting to meet like King in that regard. Wait, 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 wait. So, so you're telling me the company that made Guitar Hero and Call of Duty, they just reskin their games and sell them again to the people? <laughs> I believe me. I'm as shocked as you are, but I think I think it's true. <laughs> oh I mean, it makes sense. It, in terms of a development standpoint, the less work that they have to do if they just keep the same mechanics, mm-hmm. they just import different like assets and just different you know, textures, and they're like, all right, it's a new game, ready for Black Ops 4. Or <laughs> it, def- it definitely feels like a, almost like a disconnect between what investors want and what, like, the player base want, because I can imagine in the mind of an investor, they think that's like, oh, if we put the Call of Duty branding or the Diablo branding onto a match three game, people are going to buy into it because they love the branding. Whereas I would say, as a consumer, I'm more into the gameplay style of like these games so it's like you can't just say uh, oh a new Diablo game is coming out and it's a match to your game I'm gonna be like that's not a new Diablo game that's just like you know I don't know what this is alright so some people like you are in it for the gameplay me I'm in it for the product tie-ins okay so I'm waiting for the Totino's pizza roll tie-in for Sekiro Shadows Die Twice <laughs> alright that's that's what I'm in it f- in the Activision game for right so you can have that I'm going to have my Skylanders branded Mountain Dew. (laughs) Um, The interesting thing about all the security fraud and the business practices that Activision has come under is that the investigation, like all these things, was caused by the investors. The investors were the actual ones who were wanting Activision to be investigated for all these questionable things. So that means that the company is doing something that A, the investors don't like, or B, the, the company's lying to the investors. So I honestly don't know which one it is because obviously there probably is a disconnect in between the two groups, if you think so. I mean, it just seems like not, regardless of what Activision has or hasn't done, it's probably not a good policy to bite the hand that feeds you. And for most corporations, they don't view that as their consumer base. That's their investors. Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of that, like, I, I have a feeling that investors really don't care about the games that are really coming out. They really only care no. about like how much money is being made and like how long does it take to make the game. Like, exactly. Yeah. They're like, when's the next one coming out? How much do you expect to make from this game? Or like, how much did money did you pour into it? Right. Right. Can we sell twenty dollar chopstick add-ons for Sekiro: <laughs> Shadows Die Twice? <laughs> like real life branded Activision chopsticks to go with the game. How much? <laughs> They'll cost, what, 50 cents to mold out of plastic? They'll gobble it up. (laughs) Advertise it with a bag of Cheetos, and, you know, we'll be good on our investment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely... It is worth noting that 2018 was a pretty, like, tame year for, like, releases coming out of ActiBlizz. Like, just off the top of my head, it was just, like, the latest WoW expansion, the Spyro remaster... And Call of Duty 4, 
Destiny or 2. Black Ops 2. Destiny 2 came out in 2018? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Whoa. Destiny 2 was a thing. Made a big impression, everybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, we totally didn't just look up. Actually, it came out in 2017. <laughs> Expansions, people. Expansions. True. It was also offered. Myself. It was also offered for free, like during BlizzCon. Like people on PC could just download the game for free. So if that doesn't say anything about the game, then uh, I don't know. But it was just like this was a relatively quiet year for Activision. Not to mention also just like with the Overwatch League, they invested a lot of money into that, and they're still waiting to see a return on something as big as it because they're still like uh, they want to build branches into or they want to build like stadiums into all the home uh, team cities and stuff so this is still like a big project that's going to cost them a lot of money so I imagine they they are trying to scale back resources where they feel is you know not going anywhere like as far as they can see that's why we saw Heroes of the Storm their esports scene is basically dead we also see Hearthstone is also taking a not a huge hit but it's like uh, it's definitely being scaled back with I think it's a more online focused like sort of scene now mm-hmm. which I've actually heard a lot of Hearthstone professionals say they like so I guess it's not as bad for them but it's just like there's there's definitely stuff going on behind the scenes and I'm not convinced it's all good I'm willing to put my conspiracy hat on and basically just say that Activision has spent way too much money than they anticipated and the mm. investors are probably not happy about it um i feel like they're just spending way too much and the investors are like where's the return and then they're just saying oh it, all that mo- money you guys just poured in well um we it's somewhere it. we don't have it yet we're getting it don't worry trust us yeah right, right. we we spent a lot of time putting the texture on that deluxe loot box in uh call of duty world War II, uh, but trust us, we'll make back that money with Diablo 3 on Switch. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's, honestly, the investors are getting a little bit confused of where Activision wants to go, because like we were saying, like, add-ons and expansions, and basically just little things throughout the year are costing them so much money, because just keeping staff just constantly just doing the small menial things doesn't take a lot of manpower, but like, they're still getting paid. They're they're still they still have salaries, and it's just costing them way too much that than they can anticipate or handle. And I mean, if you look at the stock from the last six months, it's been down several percentage, and it's not really pretty, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's sort of scary. But um, with all these costs and stuff, um, I would like to move towards the weird investigation about. Uh, Bungie and Activision because Bungie and Activision are no longer together. <laughs> They've broken up. <laughs> the, cha- the chains have been loosened. Bungie is free. <laughs> or so we think. Yeah. Who knows? Bungie could have changed throughout the years. Oh, I'm sure they have. <laughs> so to give a little bit of a background, Activision and Bungie, uh, with Activision being the publisher and Bungie being the m- sort of main developer, they came together in 2011 and the only games that they've released since 2011 was Destiny and Destiny 2. Uh, Destiny came out in 2015, and Destiny 2 came out in 2017. Sort of a two- to three-year gap. Um, and, I mean, the Destiny series has been relatively successful, at least the first one was. Um, the second one, 
probably not as much. Um, but what do you guys think about the Destiny series overall? Do you think it's been pretty popular? Um, I know a lot of people. I know it's a a lot of people on console really enjoyed the Destiny series, especially Destiny One. I I'm a PC player, so I never really got into it. That said, though, when they did, like I mentioned earlier, when Destiny Two was offered for free for PC users, I downloaded it. I gave it a try. I really liked the gameplay feel of everything. I liked um, playing it for the couple hours I did, but nothing really like pulled me back into it. It was. It definitely felt like one of those games where it's like pick it up for maybe an hour or two, set it down, don't really think about it that much. Yeah, for me, I played it on PS4 when it came for free, and I don't know, there's just, it gives me the same feeling most MMOs give me, which is just, this would be really, really fun to play with a friend. Yep. But uh, just playing it alone, there was absolutely no reason to play any bit of it. I played the original first one, um, and a lot of it was just behind locked content. Um, especially like if you want to play with people, they're like, "Oh, here's this raid going on, but you need to pay to have this expansion to basically get to it." Mm. And like the first one made a ton of money, made like five hundred million dollars, which is I would say is a, oh yeah, it was hyped to the high heavens. Yeah, it was a big chunk of change, um, but like. You guys were saying Destiny 2, free copies. I even got one. I mean, that's really saying something if mm-hmm. I was a company. You know, like, giving away the sequel to a game that made $500 million, that's saying a lot. That's saying, A, the game just... You would just want to increase the user base because all the DLC, they'll just buy it. Or, B, yeah. the game's not selling well. Yeah, making your game free-to-play definitely... Screen, especially coming from ActiBlizz, is just like it screams. We want to bolster our numbers and maybe rope in some people into the Destiny ecosystem and maybe compel them to buy DLC down the line, which doesn't look like is going to be a thing. So, pro- odds are the numbers weren't as big as they anticipated them to be, and they couldn't see many people buying into any future content for that game. So. Yeah, I know there was a lot of con- a lot of different controversies actually that came up with Destiny Two when it first came out. Most oh, yeah. of them revolving around the microtransactions, the loot boxes. I think of particular note were uh, the shaders, yeah, your armor. Yeah, the fact that you couldn't make your armor whatever color you want, and mm-hmm. it's like you had to pay for the privilege of making your armor red or blue or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, because so. you could get individual shaders that would only work on one armor piece mm. and then they would just be used up whereas in the I believe in the first game you could yeah. just pick a color and make your whole armor that that's yeah. what I, that's what I was thinking Something too like, is like the microtransactions were not a part of Destiny 1 and I think that's what like set people off the most the fact that like they they in people's eyes they had a good system with Destiny 1 but Destiny needed more content, so they were thinking, it's like, oh, just make Destiny again, but with more content, and you'll have a banger. But it's like, then they stick on all these microtransactions and stuff, and it's like, why? Why are you trying to ruin something, like, something good here? Right. Destiny, the first one, definitely had a lot more content to, you know, definitely customize, like, right Mm -hmm. away. I remember playing the first one, and, like, them basically just saying, here's the character, make whatever you want with them. Right. And, like, I think that I feel like there was just a plague of microtransactions and loot boxes around 2017, 2016. 
sort of around that time, especially like nowadays, you could just literally see any game and be like, there's a loot box for it. Of course there is. Yeah. And Thanks, Overwatch, for making it popular. <laughs> oh, but they're just cosmetic. <laughs> you don't have to buy them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it just sort of kills the creativity, and it's just, it's a, it is a little bit weird, and I feel like that Destiny overall has just gone downhill, and Bungie sort of recognized that, and that's why they left Activision. Like, they really didn't like how they were sort of stifled by th- their publisher. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on why Bungie left? All right, so um, everyone knows EA is famous for killing studios. They buy and acquire studios, make them, force them to make terrible games, and then when the games underperform, uh, they destroy the studio. And I feel like uh, Bungie was in serious trouble of something similar happening at Activision. You're saying Activision is becoming EA? I'm saying that there's a potential for that to happen with a relatively high-profile game developer like Bungie, which is known for their work on the Halo franchise Mm -hmm. before being acquired by Activision. There was an expectation going in that while they were working with Activision that uh, they would produce that same caliber of content. But when they fell short of those expectations with Destiny and when it kind of got more of a lukewarm response, I feel like Bungie's kind of like, look, we could probably still coast off of this Halo goodwill and blame this on Activision because mm-hmm. they they don't have anyone's goodwill. <laughs> yeah, that that's what maybe speaks the loudest to me is the fact it's like the probably the reason they wanted to Bungie wanted to leave Microsoft in the first place was that they wanted more maybe creative freedom with their property and like they felt Microsoft I would love to see the inner workings of like all these companies working with each other because I imagine Microsoft was probably very like controlling of the Bungie branding Um, because like we can look at what Microsoft did with Rare and the fact that they had them making Kinect games like of all things so it's like I imagine Bungie wanted to get into a system where they could have more creative freedom uh, and they thought Activision could provide that for them. But as we saw with Destiny 2, like forcing microtransactions into the game, I'd imagine Bungie like realized, oh, this is not a good deal at all. We just traded one you know, terrible situation for another. And I'd be very interested to see if they try to stick it out on their own like this time around. And that would be, I, I'm very interested in seeing what Bungie could do like on their own. Right, because with the first Destiny, uh, a lot of the huge criticisms that came right out of the gate was the lack of any apparent story in the mm-hmm. game. But then people started digging into the grimoire where all of the writing was, and people were like, you know what? This is actually pretty well written. Yeah. I just wish this was an actual part of the game. Yeah, the game had story. It's just you had to work very hard to get it for yourself. Flex those reading muscles, go to external websites and stuff, and it's just like... You know, it's not that the game didn't have story. It's that the game didn't present you the story, like, well at all. So Right, which makes me think, like, going back to your point, I'd be so excited to see what 
a bungee that has all this experience behind it mm-hmm. could make because it's obvious they have a talent for creating really smooth, fluid, accessible gameplay mm-hmm. while also packing in a really nice story. Yeah, interesting worlds. Like the Halo universe is so like interesting to read about. Destiny as well. So I'd be very interested to see them, you know, on their own. The question is, does Bungie have the ability to go beyond simply just another space shooter? Because mm. if they're going to be on their own, they have to be able to... I feel like they should be able to diversify their own kind of game. Because Destiny f- feels very similar to, like, Warframe. And, like, mm. Halo series, it sort of ended for them. They can't really go back to that. So right. they have to be able to do something that's sort of original. they got to keep on moving forward. Well, it is interesting to note that with Bungie's departure from Activision, they do ma- like they do retain the rights to Destiny. So I would not be surprised at all to hear of a Destiny 3 coming in 2020, 2021, maybe 2022 at the latest, because when does Cyberpunk come out? Probably around that time as well. And I imagine they don't want to compete with that. So, But I think after Destiny 3, we're going to start seeing some... Hopefully, at least, we start seeing some... Uh, diversity within their sort of genre that they create. Although that being said, it's like if they don't feel comfortable making, you know, like a medieval like role playing game or you know something like that or like a city builder, I I don't care as much as long as they do what they do well enough. Then it's like I'll I'll buy into it because they've already proven with games like Halo Three, Halo Reach, that it's like I enjoy what they make. So if they are able to make what they want to make without all the BS from Activision or whoever, then sign me up. Yeah, I mean, do you guys think it was smart for Bungie to leave Activision? Oh, 100%. Get off the ship before <laughs> it sinks even further. Dude, it's just like cut as many like unnecessary ties as you can. It's like we've all we've all done group projects where it's like we have the one guy who's either not contributing or actively sabotaging the project so it's just like why would you like involve him in the first place if you have the option so it's like it's a much more complex like system between companies but when you boil it down it generally becomes the same thing so I'm pretty sure Bungie saw it's like there's no real benefit to us having this partnership that or at least the benefit that we saw when we first made this partnership is not there anymore so we're out I think the major issue that I see with them leaving is them abil- their own ability to publish their own games. Because mm-hmm. if you look at their past, they've been with Microsoft for years. Microsoft mm-hmm. was the one who did all the nice paperwork, you know. All the heavy lifting. All yeah. the heavy lifting. And then they were, what, by themselves for like a year, if if that? And then they just went with Activision so that they can just yeah. but have I mean, their games published more, which is, I mean... We the the weird thing is is we honestly just don't know the interactions between the two. Like, are Activision and Microsoft both really strict when it comes to their games being made, or are they just Probably. caring about how much money is being made? But I mean, there's also other publishers in the industry besides just Activision and Microsoft. Like, uh, mm-hmm. there was a lot of buzz when uh, Toby Fox made Delta Rune, and in a you know. T- 
thread of tweets. He was like, look, this made me so many years to make just by myself. I won't be able to make any more of this for several more years. I would need a team to do this. And then immediately Devolver Digital just tweeted at him and just said, we're interested. Oh, the, oh man. I love so, Devolver so much. Right? Best E3 conferences oh consistently. <laughs> but so I mean, good. imagine what Bungie could do if they got a publisher like Devolver in their corner. Mm-hmm. My only thing is just like when you're a company as big as Bungie and have as much pedigree as Bungie does, I imagine like publishers like Devolver Digital look at them and it's like, Oh, this is like a, a lot to take on at once. It's not as sim- it's not as simple as a bunch of indie companies, you know, where it's just like, you know, general control, and we can expect like reasonable returns and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I imagine I imagine it's a thing. It's like they don't want to grow too fast and like lose control of the ship. So yeah, I'd be I'd be interested in seeing. It's it's fun speculating, like any partnership Bungie could all right waltz into, but Bungie. While we're on the topic of potential partnerships, here's a couple that we'd, that at least I, I'm not going to speak for these two, (laughs) highly, highly advise against, okay? Let's let's start with some companies to avoid, okay? 2K, 2K Mm. games, let's stay away from them. Uh, Leave Bethesda alone, okay? (laughs) You escaped one company that just wasn't doing hot. Now, just leave them alone. They're already having too many problems just by themselves, okay? Any others that you guys can think of? To stay away from? To Hmm. stay away from. EA. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) If that wasn't already a given. Ooh, that's a tough one. Stay away from. I mean, it's sort of hard to think of publishers a little bit at times because the, the lines between publishers and, you know, the the actual studios can get blurred a lot because you have you know studios like retro studios that is practically under nintendo mm-hmm. and like a lot of the times a lot of these studios are just tied hand in hand with okay. their publishers and it's very hard to differentiate the, between the two but like with activision and bungie bungie has made a name for itself and i think honestly bungie could possibly like if they want to pour the money into it they could probably publish, publish their own games if they wanted. Yeah. Because they would they would have to grow before that would happen, but yeah. definitely I could see them doing their own thing. They definitely have the money for it because one of the, one of the official statements that was made by Bungie and Activision sort of simultaneously was they said, quote, looking ahead, we're excited to announce plans for Activision to transfer publishing rights for Destiny to Bungie with our remarkable Destiny community we are ready to publish on our own while Activision will increase their focus on owned IP projects. Hmm. So I feel like that statement says a lot for Bungie itself. I feel like Bungie is tired of being, you know, like handheld, you know? Right. They're just like, we we want to be our own thing. We really don't care about anyone else. Like, I feel like they're just the independent teenager right now. God, it's fun, it's fun <laughs> to imagine... Because, like, every, every, like, publisher, like, every big publisher and developer has, like, their little quirks. So it'll be fun to think, like, what's Bungie's, like, you know, screwed up quirk going to be? Because it's, like, Bethesda doesn't have QA testers. <laughs> Activision is, like, unapologetically into microtransactions. EA is comically evil. So it's, like... CD oh, Projekt Red has, like, eternity-long work weeks. Right. So. Yep. <laughs> Riot hates women. So it's, like, what's Bungie's? What's Bungie's 
quirk going to be? Yeah, it it feels like every publisher sort of has its own persona. Yeah. They're like, all right, we got we got to stick to a, like our we got to act our character, guys. Like EA is like this year we got to remake the game. We had to give every single person a micro transaction before they even turn on the game. They had to pay for DLC. Life is just <laughs> an anime, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like. Bungie will do decent on their own. I just oh, feel like yeah. they have they have to expand their creativity. They have to be able to be comfortable with trying out new things. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in Bungie evolving from being known as like the Halo guys or just like the guys that got screwed by Activision. I I really want to see like their you know, I I want to see what their limits are. I want to see what their ceiling is. Mm. I agree. Do you guys think that they'll eventually publish everything on their own and just become their own little thing and it'll just be normal uh i mean if if anything they'll pick up just like a like a studio no one really knows or like a publishing studio no one really knows about and just like have them do sort of like the boring heavy weight stuff but it's like yeah honestly i see i see a positive future for bungie Hmm. i don't know i could see i could see bungie partnering with a publisher to just like really highly diversify whatever it is that publisher is known for like mm-hmm. i could almost see a bungee deep silver combo or Ooh. maybe even a bungee rock star that would be weird combo i mean mm. i'm not saying that these are like good ideas at all but i don't claim to ideas. have any <laughs> but uh they're interesting thought experiments at the least yeah as long as it's not 10 cent then like yeah. if you guys think EA or Activision's bad, Tencent is on a entirely different level. Like imagine EA owned by the Chinese government, and it's okay. like with all the implication that implies. So, for last thoughts, what do you think Bungie should do? Like, what do you think is the number one advice that they should follow? Hmm. Dating Sims, more dating Sims. <laughs> Include that in Destiny Three. Yes, <laughs> I've got it. Partner with Valve, make Half-Life 3. Because a Bungie-developed Half-Life 3 would have awesome mechanics. I would have to agree with that. That would be interesting, to Uh, say the least. I'm not saying you need to permanently partner with Valve. I'm just saying. It's never happening. A one-off. Half-Life will never be a thing. All right, well. Never. This has been How It's Played. Joining me today was... Jeremy Rogers. And Brad Killian. And I, Eli Sokin, was the host for this episode. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.